The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Free agency is upon us. Some of us are freaking out. Some of us are on the edge. Some of us are laying back and chilling and let things happen. However you're taking this, I hope you are enjoying the start to free agency. It's been a very interesting start to the league year, to say the very least. I am Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider. On a Tuesday, going a little, little different with you, and I am joined by John Sheeran to... Talk about what's been going on in free agency in the NFL. John, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing good. You know, I think we picked a good time to to start the show because we got some <laughs> I guess some news to break that happened literally five minutes ago. Yeah, I guess let's uh let's start there. Where this is the the water cooler chat. So we're gonna do a little, maybe a little bit of analysis, but we're gonna kind of run you through all the different headlines with the team around the league, maybe who's available because John and I have another kind of more deep analysis show tomorrow night to bring you. So we're going to we're gonna kind of keep it a little surface level today for time purposes and whatnot. But this just came across the wire. And John, if you would like to talk about it, since you teased it, Bengals are signing apparently Mike Hilton, the Steelers cornerback, a guy that was kicked around name-wise, and this is per Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, a guy who was kicked around name-wise with the team heading into free agency. Right, so there was a report last night. I forget who it was. I believe it was Mike Garofalo, but I have to double check that that the Bengals were in on signing Mike Hilton. This was after some other news broke that we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, Hilton is 27 years old. He's turned 27, I believe, this month. He spent the last few years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals fans obviously are familiar with him. He's a slot cornerback. He specializes as a as a blitzer. Not not really like the stickiest guy in coverage, but a guy that the Bengals are obviously familiar with. I believe uh, per Ben Baby. He is reporting that per Adam Schefter, so t- two sources there, that uh, Hilton's deal is four years. So the Bengals have him under contract through 2024 until he turns, I think, 30 or 31. So, yeah, a guy that they're familiar with, a guy who's a quality player. I think he graded out to be 68 per PFF, so their defense grade. So, yeah, a, a solid replacement for Mackenzie Alexander, who's probably going to look for an opportunity elsewhere. They uh, Mackenzie Alexander bought a, a lot of good things to the team last year and you know was was there on a nice one year rental deal. By the way, here's a couple little other bits of info from PFF on Mike Hilton 74.3 coverage grade since 2018, which is 34th. And when you're talking about a guy like you said, uh, John, that's 
maybe you know your number two, number three corner on the depth chart there. That's that's pretty pretty decent uh, for for a coverage grade there. Um, and obviously familiar with the AFC North, you got to like that. So this just came across the wire. We're we're collecting headlines and all of that came across the wire just a couple minutes before we took the air. So another big signing for the Cincinnati Bengals doing more on the second day of legal tampering or free agency. I might as well just let the floodgates open. I don't know why they do the legal tampering thing, but uh, so that's, that's what the most recent transaction for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then I think you teased this one too, John, a little bit earlier today, the Bengals get another athletic defensive back. And this is on CincyJungle.com, this article. My esteemed colleague here joining me on the air wrote this one. Bengals signed Chidobi Awuzie, uh, a defensive back. He, I believe he had an interception against the Bengals last year when the two teams played. A three-year deal here. You see that from Mike Garofolo. Um, you know, this. I think these two moves all but say, you know what, we're, we're spending this, this money on Awuzie. We're spending the money on uh, Hilton, and we're we're out of the sweepstakes for William Jackson, whatever that may look like. And you know, Mackenzie Alexander is probably moving on as well. But this is these are the replacement guys. It, it appears at this point, right? And Malik Wright, who's a good friend of the show and a Bengals insider of his own right, no pun intended. Um, yeah. He kind of leaked this, uh, I think, about an hour before uh, Garofalo reported it, um, and I believe he also said that the the, the terms of the deal is a three-year deal worth about $7 million annually, so significantly less than what uh, yeah. a lot of us expected William Jackson to get, which makes sense. Woozy is, I think, 20. he's going to be 26 in May. He's got a couple years of starting experience under his belt, but it's more along the lines of the Bengals are betting on him, kind of ascending out of well, the average player that he is now, maybe more towards above average, and they can kind of reap the value of the deal that they got him. So, yeah, he's got two years of starting experience with the Cowboys. He's got a lot of ball production. I think he has 25 passes defensed in his career along with two interceptions. Um, kind of an up-and-down player in sorts, but he fortunately suffered a lot of injuries um, last year. I think it was on IR with a hamstring injury. But 2018-2019, solid starting cornerback for the Cowboys. I guess didn't really quite live up to second-round expectations, but a guy that I think the Bengals are expecting to kind of come into his form as he enters the prime of his career. That's the hope. He's an athletic guy. And, you know, now you kind of say, well, you've got Wayne's coming back. Hopefully he gives you quite a bit more than he gave you in his first year with the team. You know, you've got uh, a woozy coming in and then now you've got Hilton. You know, you're getting a little younger at some of these spots. I I think the Bengals really kind of Hilton was a guy that the Bengals were in on. It it seemed from the get go. So these are guys they wanted. You know, there are some some ups and downs especially with a woozy. And I think you mentioned that there was a hamstring issue last year that hampered. If you look at his PFF scores, they were quite a bit lower last year. Um, but the Bengals are kind of what they're, what they're doing. And we will talk more about this, I think tomorrow, John, but I think what they're doing is they're saying, you know, maybe we can get similar production, um, something that's pretty close to what we had at these positions and not pl- pay, you know, a, a plus dollars for players that maybe give you B, B plus production and you can get similar production for less money and spread out, you know, get your needs done across the roster. Right. And uh, as you alluded to, like a woozy is, I think, three or four years younger. I think three years younger than William Jackson is. So by the time his contract is up, he'll be like just older than what William Jackson is now. And I think Joe Goodberry pointed this out. If you look at like a lot of the unrestricted free agents that the Bengals have signed in recent years, a lot of them are still in like their mid twenties. They don't really go after guys who are towards that that thirty uh, age 
uh, mark or even even over it, which is why you haven't seen some other signings that um, I guess fans were expecting. So Hilden and Woozy, 20, 26, 27, respectively. And another, another guy that we're going to talk about here, he's 26 years old, and that was the first signing that they made last night. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of do a couple of different things here. We'll start with what prompted the signing that you're talking about, and that is the news that didn't make a lot of people happy. Carl Lawson to the Jets, and by the well, by the way, the subheadline by Jason Markham, that's a W uh, for the the L subheadline. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, but Carl Lawson is going to the Jets. It actually is a very similar contract to the player we're going to talk about that the Bengals did sign in in many ways. But for the Jets and Carl Lawson, three years, forty five million with thirty million guaranteed. The Bengals just could not do the guaranteed money. It would seem um, a big deal for the Jets, and the Bengals were in the running there. It would seem towards the end with the Jets kind of winning the day with that guaranteed money amount of thirty million, John. That's all it is. Thirty million guaranteed would be four million more than what AJ Green got back in twenty fifteen. It would be the largest guaranteed sum in Bengals history, and it's ultimately why he went to the Jets. You know, like I'm sure the Bengals were in it to the end, as multiple people have reported. We knew they were going to be interested in bringing him back, and I would imagine that they offered a similar average annual value, but nowhere near the guaranteed at signing thirty million dollars, whether it be base salaries or signing bonus. It all added up to thirty million for Carl Lawson. There was no way he wasn't going to take that, you know, and that's that's why the right. Bengals unfortunately lost him out. Right. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's just not really the guaranteed money situation and, and what that looked like there. It's just not really in the Bengals DNA to, to do that kind of thing. And like you said, it would have been a record for the team at that point to go that route for Carl Lawson, a guy that I think they really wanted back. But, you know, there were some questions in terms of, you know, some of the data points, um, you know, talking about sacks and all that kind of thing. But there are a lot of other data points underneath the major statistics that point to Carl Lawson obviously being a valuable and productive player. But the Bengals didn't waste much time. I think ideally it would have been nice to kind of get both of these guys. You re-signed Carl Lawson, and in a perfect world, you re-signed Trey Hendrickson. But the Bengals kind of threw the bag then. They moved off of Carl Lawson once they couldn't really match that guaranteed money, it would seem. And uh, you wrote this one up to John the Bengals signed defensive end Trey Hendrickson, a an edge player from New Orleans. He had 13 and a half sacks last year. Some of the other metrics don't match up with Carl Lawson in terms of quarterback hits and whatnot. But there are some other stats here that you got to like for the player. The question is, you know, is this a guy that more gets gets some of those gaudy numbers because of help around him, coverage sacks, that sort of thing. And his numbers are padded a little bit. Or is he truly a productive player and an ascending player? Obviously, the Bengals hope it's the latter. Very much like Awuzie, uh Hendrickson was, I believe, from that 2017 class. He was also a day two pick like Awuze. Awuza? I, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to have to learn how to pronounce his last name. I remember him back. <laughs> I'm going to I remember him back in 2017, just like I remember Hendrickson. Um, if, if you guys are on like football Twitter, um, an account that everyone should follow is Justice Mosqueda, and he kind of pioneered what he. Originally labeled as math rushers, but then labeled it force players, which is basically it was a formula of determining you know which combine scouting combine metrics uh, kind of match with um, like overall future success in the NFL. Hendrickson coming out of that 2017 class, which was Carl Lawson's draft class as well, was one of those guys that were pegged to be potential stars based off of how they tested 
in at, at the combine and you know it took a lo- it took a while for Hendrickson to really establish himself in New Orleans because you gotta remember they had Cam Jordan there they drafted I believe Marcus Davenport in 2018 the year after Hendrickson so he's always been kind of on the outside looking in looking for more opportunities and he kind of got that in 2020 and then everyone looks at the 13 and a half sacks which would, would I think Jeff Hobson said would have been a Bengals uh, franchise record if he had gotten that in Cincinnati you can't always look at just the sack numbers right I believe ESPN credited him with like seven and a half sacks created which is six less than what he actually got. So he's more of a guy that, that kind of finishes what others kind of put around him. But he has grown as a pass rusher. His pass rushing grade has only improved ever since he got into the league. I believe he had like career highs in pass rush productivity. So that, that's the same thing with Uzi. They're banking on him ascending into an above average player instead of just kind of tape, tapering off at an average player because it's Ravain Trey Hendrickson you know, 15 million a year, 32 for the first two years to just be kind of less than what he was in the final year in New Orleans. You're kind of overpaying and primarily because you lost out on a very good player in Lawson. So the question then becomes, you know, we, we're, we're looking at a lot of defensive signings and granted, look, I, I guess you got to credit Jeff Hobson of bangles.com. Cause he was, he was kind of pounding the, the, Hey, the Bengals are going to, they go, they will and should go after defense in free agency, you know, in the, in the AFC North teams like to run, you've got the Ravens. I mean, teams that can put up points, the Browns ran all over them. You've got uh, issues getting after the quarterback and whatnot. So, I mean, I, I guess credit to Jeff Hobson on that, but I think before we kind of talk a little bit more um, about who has gone, who has left the Bengals and some other things pertaining to free agency and whatnot. I think it's kind of a lot of questions, John, you know, well, what about the offensive line and what about, what about Joe Burrow? What, what, what does this team do? Well, I mean, we'll get to some of these names that are off the board here now, but uh, are you a little bit surprised that the Bengals haven't done much in the way of fortifying their interior offensive line, getting a tackle of some kind, getting somebody that can step in and start and supplant some of these guys that have had issues over the past couple of years. So just on the surface, saving some of like the hard hitting analysis for tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm a little surprised. Uh, I feel like there were just a handful of guys that they should have been in consideration with. And, and unfortunately for them, they chose other offers or they just were never interested in them at all, which is kind of a mistake in my opinion. But I mean, it, it fits what they have done in the past, and it kind of goes against what it was kind of alluded to based off of their words leading up to free agency. You know, it was everyone was questioning him and badgering them. You know, is O line the number one priority? And that's kind of what they kind of uh, alluded to with with Frank Pollock's comments, and then Duke Tobin in his press conference, and then Zach Taylor as well. And you're sitting here like, okay, well, where is that coming into fruition? And ultimately, you know, that they have prices for these guys. They value every player, I guess, individually based off of their own system. And for whatever reason that like their value did not match what the value that they ended up getting on the market, which is kind of how this works. And then you have all the, all that leftover money. So you solidify other needs that, that you seem deem fit and, and you have players that accept your offers, which is why we saw Hendrickson and now Awuze and Hilton coming in. So I'm a, I'm, they're they're still going to add to the offensive line, but it's definitely coming at a later point. And unfortunately some, some options are kind of bare at this point. They are, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Just a reminder, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. This is usually our Monday water cooler chat. Um, I am blessed to be joined. Uh, usually I just talk uh, on my own here. It's nice to have a, another another 
host with me on the water cooler chat in the form of John Sheeran. So we're running through some free agency news as it pertains to the Bengals and a little bit about the division and around the AFC North. Happy to have you with us on this Tuesday. Normally this is a Monday uh, show, but we, you know, just with everything going on, we decided to take the air Tuesday and catch everybody up. We are one of a couple of, of shows on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. There's Orange is the New Black by Ace and Zim. And then of course, Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk, a lot of videos and analysis from him as well. Good stuff from all of those guys, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, where you can get that channel on your favorite audio streamer. You can, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's a little logo right under John there. You can click that to subscribe. I think we're now over 4,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel. Oh, my. Yeah. We were like 3.96. I had to wear the beanie to cover my big head after that, dude. So, uh, um, but no, uh, please subscribe. We appreciate the support. We appreciate everybody tuning in and, um, go, go check out those shows and hopefully you, ch- you continue to check out our shows as the Bengals off season and uh, free agency, the draft, all that continues to roll on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, John, you kind of mentioned this a little bit about the cabinet being bare. This one was kind of the first gut punch for me in terms of how Free agency started to play out, and I guess it's a little bit predictable in the form of this was a guy that wasn't a set to hit the open market as free agency ensued. This was a guy who was released, obviously a familiar name, a guy who was very productive. The Bengals were in on the sweepstakes for Kevin Zeitler for a reunion. Not only did they not get him, John, uh, he went to the Ravens. So that's uh, a little bit disheartening. And then, of course, their offer wasn't near Baltimore's three-year deal worth $22 million. The Bengals' offer to Kevin Zeitler wasn't anywhere near where he was getting somewhere else. Does that sound like deja vu? Good Lord. <laughs> uh, your your thoughts when you heard this, and um, I don't know what how, how viable of an option he should have been for this team, given that contract, et cetera. Well, we knew they were going to be interested. Like It was so logical as to why they would have interest to bring him back. Um, I, I wonder what their offer was and what Tyler Dragon meant when he said that, because I would imagine that if they weren't able to get him with their offer and, and he chose Baltimore's, I would imagine that, because c- this is what the Bengals do, they don't offer base salaries guaranteed. They don't offer any guaranteed salaries. Their only guarantees and their contracts come via the signing bonus. So Kevin Zeiler got... 16 of the 22 million that's like 75 percent of his deals guaranteed so he got the second year the 2022 uh, base salary guaranteed and i don't think the Bengals offered him that i imagine they offered him a roster bonus which is a practical guarantee and a guarantee only up until or only when um the whatever day of the league year the 2022 season arrives so i'd imagine it like players look at that and they say would i, would I rather have a guaranteed base salary as soon as i sign the dotted line or do i take my chances and just assume that the team's going to keep me on for for the next two years and that's ultimately why they lose out some of these negotiations i don't think they they didn't offer him like in the range of like seven million a year i think it's more the lines of kevin zeller took more money for sure to hit his bank account and the Bengals 
try to do things their way like they usually do and just offer roster bonuses instead of guaranteed salaries and it's ultimately why he chose the Ravens because what, what you, you, you can't blame him you can't you can't blame him. He's, he's gone through the, the Browns when they were bad and the Giants when they were bad and now he sees a division winner in the Ravens offer him a lot of money up front and you know kudos to Siler for finding the next opportunity Yep, a guy that could have helped the Bengals in in a pretty big way, and the Bengals went in on him. It's unknown exactly what that contract looked like, that offer looked like, but uh, Baltimore won the day. So not only do they lose out on a potential good starting guard to fortify their offensive line, they lose out to a division rival. Yikes.com. Let's go to this one. This was a name that everybody thought was going to be a shoe-in for the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals were going to change the stripes and throw big money to a guard. No, they did not. Joe Tooney is a chief after shedding a a couple of starting tackles and really not having nearly as much space as the Cincinnati Bengals. The Kansas City Chiefs find a way to get it done and help out Patrick Mahomes after the disaster that they put forth in the Super Bowl on the offensive line. Joe Tooney signs a huge deal with the Chiefs. Um, I think it is a five-year worth $80 million. Is that what we uh, what that was looked at there, John? Um, you surprised about that? And did you hear, and I don't know how much you believe, about the Bengals supposedly, I think it came from maybe Joe Tooney's sister or something I had read that the Bengals maybe lowballed him a little bit in the process and he actually wanted to be a Bengal. Yeah, so let's just cover that real quick. Tooney accepted a deal that gave him $16 million a year for five years and $48 million of that is guaranteed. It's guaranteed the, the, the extra like $16 million on top of like the 30-something million that's guaranteed. It's only guaranteed if he plays the entire uh, 2020 season. He hasn't missed a game in his career, so it's going to be guaranteed. Forty-eight million guaranteed. There's no way the Bengals are ever matching that. It's it's like ten million more guaranteed than any guard in NFL history. He, he signed the biggest contract for a guard in NFL history, and he's joining the team that just went to the Super Bowl twice in the last two years and won one of them, and also has the best quarterback in the NFL. Joe Tooney is gunning for the Hall of Fame, and I don't blame him at all. And if the Bengals lowballed him, it, it can mean anything under the deal that he got and it could be a deal that's uh, that's exactly what we kind of expected to get which is more of a four-year 60 million dollar range if that's what the Bengals lowballed him and this is what happened i i think it kind of paints in a negative way we don't exactly know what the parameters of the deal was it's almost kind of a silly conversation to have in my opinion because we don't know what they offered him if, the, if those details ever come out then we can continue to have that conversation but based on what the deal that he got I'm not surprised, and I don't really blame the Bengals for not really matching this. Yeah, low ball is. I mean, again, that's this is hearsay at this point. I don't want to, you know, go down that route. But that, and that is also kind of relative, right? I mean, it's kind of like, well, you know, they could have low balled, but they could have been one of a few teams that did not step up to where the Kansas City Chiefs put a contract out for Joe Tooney. I mean, there was a lot of interest there, and the Chiefs said, "This is our guy. We got to go get this guy." And they did. So the Bengals are now out of the Joe Tooney sweepstakes. He is now a Kansas City Chief. And, um, you know, the Bengals are now left kind of clamoring a bit in terms of what are the options out there. So we've talked about Joe Tooney. We've talked about, um, you know, Carl Lawson. We've talked about some of the Kevin Zeitler. Here are a couple of other names that are either going somewhere, are definitively going somewhere, or could be going somewhere associated with the Bengals. Seathan Carter. Boy, the, the Dolphins are starting to kind of become a little bit of a uh, – having a relationship like the Bills and the Bengals do. They are kind of cherry-picking the Bengals 
primarily special teamers. It was Clayton Fedulum and then now Seathan Carter, a special teams guy and a guy who had a, a limited role on offense, but had a couple of plays in his Bengals career on offense. But he is now joining Miami. And, uh, he, you know, Darren Simmons is probably not a happy camper because this is a guy that he valued on his special teams unit. Yeah, we talked about like how they're they're repeating free agency from last year, and this is literally the same thing. Clayton Fendulum left for three years on a, on a modest deal for the Dolphins when everyone expected the Bengals to retain him. Everyone expected the Bengals to do the same for Season Carter, and the Dolphins threw like the same deal at him. So that is kind of funny how they kind of parallel each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Season Carter now a Dolphin, and then uh, this one, John AJ Green potentially being pursued by the Packers. Now I had also read something from, I forget which reporter it was. I can't remember if it was maybe Elise Jesse or somebody that had said, you know, uh, they had contact with AJ green and he said, I'm kind of laying low for the time being and seeing how things kind of play out a little further here, but he got, he has some interest to green Bay. Yeah. And um, I'm sure he's one of the many receivers that know right now that the market for receivers is very bare or not, not, not bare. There's a lot of players, but it's, it's just dry. Like teams don't really want to pay these guys a lot of money. So there's going to be a lot of value signings that end up happening. And unfortunately with green, he's on the older side. And when it comes to the receivers on the market, I'm sure a team would like to have him on for one year and a team that's already competitive and you can kind of just fill in as a contributor, but you know, good for green to kind of wait out the process. And I'm sure he'll, he'll find a deal that, that is right for him. So AJ Green, uh, still yet to be determined where he ends up, but you know it looks as if still as we expected, this was probably not going to be something where he ends up back with the Bengals. Unfortunately, unless something unforeseen happens there, uh, we've been at it for about twenty five minutes, John. What what else am I missing here in terms of some headlines that make sense? Uh, let's let's go here actually. Let's talk a little bit about who is left for the Bengals to potentially pursue as a, as we sit here on Tuesday afternoon, day two of the legal tampering period of free agency, who are some of the names that may make some sense financially, positionally for the Bengals that, that are left out there? So you got to think about the positions that they haven't addressed yet. Obviously everyone is screaming from the top of their lungs off the top of Mount Everest or offensive line. Um, I'm assuming that if there is a signing coming, it's going to be a guard probably a right guard because most of the good options do play right guard and if you want to look at those options you have trey turner who's 27 28 years old coming off a down year for the chargers but he has quality years in his past and i think it's possible that that can be unlocked if he's healthy gabe jackson who i don't know if he's officially released from the raiders but it was heavily speculated that he that he was going to be he probably still has another year or two left um and jermaine effetti was a guy that is a guy that i think people should kind of remember he's a little bit younger than both of those guys and he had he played his first year at right guard for the Bears and was pretty solid, but he has right tackle experience. So the Bengals want a versatile guy. I think that would make sense. And then on defensive line, um, specific, specifically defensive tackle, if they're looking to get a younger replacement for Geno Atkins, I think Sheldon Rankins from the Saints get get Trey Henderson's old teammate. He makes sense as like a buy low option with a pass rushing presence. Larry Ogunjobi, you know, the last year of the Browns swiped Andrew Billings um, from the Bengals and. I think the Bengals could do the same and swipe a defensive tackle from them, but a guy who fits more of a three-technique role and they don't really have a spot for him on the Browns roster right now. Interesting that you bring up Ogan Joby because I actually saw an article. Someone was – I forget which website it was, otherwise I would have put it up here, but it was basically kind of getting Browns fans reacclimated to and reintroduced to Andrew Billings because he opted out of last year after they signed. 
after they signed him. And so now it's kind of like he's the guy and he's going to replace Ogunjobi in that defense, according to what a lot of people think. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that you brought up, brought that up. I want to share this. This is real quick. DJ reader of the Cincinnati Bengals on Twitter. Um, he's getting a little excited as to what the Bengals are doing on day two saying, Oh, we cooking up now. So you got to like that one other person. And I don't know how viable you think this is, but uh, the Bengals may have their eyes on Rodney, Rodney Hudson, the Mm -hmm. uh, offensive lineman from the Las Vegas Raiders still feels weird saying Las Vegas Raiders, but Las Vegas Raiders uh, was released earlier today. So now all of a sudden you've got kind of the Gabe Jackson thing, and then you've got uh, the interior offensive line for the Vegas Raiders. And then they also traded their right tackle too. So it's kind of like, man, they're kind of shedding a lot of contracts off of that line. But is he someone that you think the Bengals may have an interest in? And if so, does it even make sense with the whole, um, you know, situation that they have on their roster right now? Well, this also kind of ties in with another player that signed yesterday, Corey Lindsley. He agreed to like a five-year, $60 million deal with the Chargers, and that's a lot of money for a center. I think it's the highest deal any center's ever gotten, and I don't think the Bengals were in on that. And I have to imagine that even with Rodney Hudson's available, I don't think they're really interested in adding a center. It would require moving Trey Hopkins from that spot. They paid Trey Hopkins a three-year deal to play that spot. I, I still objectively think that that is his best spot on the offensive line, but unfortunately, he's not going to be. He's probably not going to be healthy to start the season. And they're, they they should be in desperation mode right now because they don't have a lot of options. So, I mean, Rodney Hudson has always been a great player. I don't imagine he's going to command that much because he's like 32 years old by now. Um, but I don't really get why the Raiders released him. And, yeah, like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't know if they'd be willing to add a center regardless of how desperate they are. So... You, you, and you know Andre Parada and others have kind of put out a, a few, I guess, parameters or numbers as to what the Bengals should have in terms of cash spend and cap spend uh, entering this period. I know we still got to figure out a little bit of the Mike Hilton contract, and obviously some of the numbers need to be dialed in. I mean, as we sit here, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have at least a rough number as to what after these three signings, or at least after kind of the Trey Hendrickson signing? what the Bengals may be having to play with at this point money wise um, to get, to get some more moves done. That'll help their football team. Officially, because we only know the official details of Trey Hendrickson mm-hmm. the Bengals entered today with just under 30 million in top 51 cap space. That is with Geno Atkins and Bobby Hart still on the roster. They have not been cut yet uh, in terms of cash spend. It's like right under 140 million. So um, w- w- with the addition of a Wuze, I believe accounting for that seven million annual figure the cap it will probably be around five or six million ish that right. puts them down to like the 24 million dollar range we have no idea what hilton got so that that has yet to be determined um they're making i mean duke tobin did allude to like they're not going to sit on their hands and they have made three signings in the first two days of legal tampering it's not the signings that everyone wanted but they have been active and they have been spending and they're running low on whatever cap space they have so they still have some moves to make. They obviously need to add to the offensive line. I would, ma- I would imagine another defensive line addition is coming as well. And I mean, there's there's clear moves to, to get to gain them more cap space. But right now, um, I'm assuming they're going to be just just below, I guess, 20 million, including Awuze and um, Mike Hilton. But we don't know that official number yet. So I just we're going to get out of here in just a couple minutes here. But I'm seeing you know both on Twitter and our live chats here, Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel. 
And you mentioned that the wide receiver market's a little interesting right now. Really, Corey Davis is kind of the only guy who has moved. I mean, you've got Kenny Galladay out there. You've got Curtis Samuel still out there. John Brown was released shortly before free agency. He's a name I think is still available. I mean, do you think do you think the wide receiver is something that they make a splash in based on the space that you're talking about? I think they do to kind of lessen the needs going into the draft, but who that is, I think Will Fuller is another guy potentially. Um, What that looks like and what kind of contract that is, I don't know, but I I think that they would probably be looking at wide receiver because of the pending departures that are, that are set to take place at that position group. Right. Like we, we talked about like, they're probably going to sign a receiver to take advantage of the saturated market before this ended up happening. I think honestly, like looking at what the Patriots did, they signed Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne to these deals and no one really expected them to get. And they're like, well, we, we, we don't want to pay similar guys that much money. So we're going to wait until the market kind of dies down, which kind of plays in the favor of the Bengals. I think that was their plan originally. And now it's kind of, it's kind of all going in motion right now. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where these top guys end up going and how much they sign for. But yeah, I would imagine a, a signing like 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 a Josh Reynolds or a, Ke- a Keelan Cole is still very much in play. And based off of if guys above them don't get paid as much, they're not going to get paid as much and only their value is going down. I did see, and I didn't pull this up here. I should probably look for it, but I did see some rumblings that the Bengals may also be interested in Gerald Everett, the tight end from, mm. from the Los Angeles Rams as well. A guy, you know, not overly gaudy numbers like a Zach Ertz or anything like that, but a guy that comes from that Rams system that is familiar with Zach Taylor, a guy who's had a couple of nice, nice games and moments in the league, a guy who could be a nice addition to the tight end group, you know, not, not, you know, anything like a Kyle Pitts or anything like that, but a guy that could be a nice addition and could be a value um, that, that you know, could be a nice addition to this team. So that's another one that's, that's floating out there. We'll see what comes of that. But um, look, we, we, just to recap, we talked about the Mike Hilton signing as we took the air here. I'm seeing a lot of people that maybe kind of joined mid show and are asking us about some of these signings, Mike Hilton, four-year deal. Um, uh, Chidobe Azue, uh, a, a three-year deal, right, John? Is that what, what was announced mm-hmm. there? Um, Trey Hendrickson, another three-year deal for him, a pretty big four deal. Years four years, excuse me, that was, um, you know, similar in, in a lot of ways to the Carl Lawson deal. The Bengals lose out on Carl Lawson. They lose out on Kevin Zeitler. They lose out on Joe Tooney. Those are some of the the names that we've heard that they've been involved in or interested in that did not end up coming their way um, and some names that are very familiar. So um, all in all around the division, um, you know, I think the Ravens added Kevin Zeitler, pretty quiet for the Steelers. And I think we knew that because of their salary cap situation, they cleared quite a bit of it by restructuring Ben's contract. Um, But they've been pretty quiet. And from what I've noticed, a little quiet on the Brown side after they've been pretty active in free agency over the past year or two as well. Yeah. The Browns signed John Johnson, the safety from the Rams. That was like their big thing. And they just signed tack McKinley who the Bengals tried to claim during the season and then he failed a physical. So he gets, I think, a four-year deal worth up to $6 million. So I think the Browns were in on Trey Hendrickson as, as well as the Jets and potentially the Vikings. The Bengals kind of upped their offer as soon as they they lost to Lawson. So the Browns were kind of left at square one. They still need edge help opposite of Miles Garrett, and they hope that Tack McKinley can be that guy. So, yeah, I mean, they uh, there was a lot of stuff. I think I've mentioned it on the last two or three water cooler chats that, 
you know, the Browns were wanting a veteran pass, pass rusher. They were in the J.J. Watt running. Um, you know, they were monitoring the Von Miller situation. Von Miller may be sticking with Denver now that some of those charges that were lingering out there, potential charges, uh, I guess he cleared those. So he may be staying now in Denver. So that wasn't an option for him. They wanted another veteran pass rusher opposite of uh, Miles Garrett. And so they get that apparently intact. McKinley, another one of those, you know, medical failed physical mysteries with the, with the Cincinnati Bengals there. What else do we need to get to? What else do we need to update on John before we bounce on out of here? Um, yeah. So everyone keeps talking about offensive line again, just to reiterate a lot of the tackles left. They're on the other side of the 30, not a lot of young options. Just a lot of stopgap options, which kind of tips tips their hand a little bit. And which is what we kind of speculated. They're just assuming they're going all in on an offensive tackle with the with the fifth pick if it's Sewell it's Sewell if it's not it's probably Rashawn Slater but I mean there's no immediate answer right now on the market for offensive tackle don't even look at Trent Williams if they if they didn't pay Carl Lawson what he wanted there's no way they're going to pay Trent Williams what he wants but there are still a couple of options at guard and I think this is kind of what they were kind of banking on if they didn't get a guy like Zeidler if they, if Andrew Norwell doesn't enter the market if Joe Tooney signs a deal that blows him out of the water then they're always going to look more towards the, the affordable, you know, rental deals at guard like Trey Turner, like Gabe Jackson, like Jermaine Effetti. So those are guys to look out for. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get some news on that shortly. How viable do you think Quentin Spain is to come back? How viable of an option is that at this point? I, I would be interested to see, you know, what he does with with the full offseason with the team where he doesn't come in, you know, last minute and has to play like four positions in a month. Um, he's a natural <laughs> left guard. So if, if that's if that's what they want as a plan, they want him to, to compete with Xavier Suofilo, then that's fine. But I think signing him does not solve your right guard problem in my opinion yeah well i I think that's going to do it here in in just a minute one other thing just to note that i i didn't put up one name that was kind of kicked around maybe as a possibility for the Bengals. matt filer um he's a guy that uh, i want to save that until tomorrow because i had some thoughts on that well we won't talk much about it but just the fact that he signed um he signed a manageable contract with the uh chargers and you know is something that you know, you kind of look at it and say, well, that, that could have been a manageable contract that could have helped out your offensive line. Just a preview. It, it's, I think it's the one deal out there that I personally just like, what are they doing? That, that's inexcusable. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we'll have some more thoughts on that tomorrow though. Yep. So join us tomorrow evening. We're going to take the air at eight 30 Eastern John and myself. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth on these moves, a little bit more in depth on what's ahead for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, we kind of got the new stuff out of the way today and we're going to get more into the opinions analysis stuff tomorrow. And then we're going to try, I had, I saw some questions about a listener question show on Friday. We're probably going to try and get that in as well. We didn't do one last week, so we'll try and do that on Friday afternoon as well. So, you know, get, get in contact with us a number of different ways to submit your questions to us. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll get a, we'll get a weekend started the right way with a listener question show, but Get this show how you can on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, all of the major streamers. Get it on our YouTube channel. Keep it to CincyJungle.com because like the guy next to me, he is rolling. Those guys are just rolling out story after story, keeping up with all the updates. And um, so keep it to CincyJungle.com for all of that. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you uh, throughout the week. Thanks, everybody. Hang, Hang tight. Hang strong. Good things are coming for the Bengals. We'll see you later. It's not that serious, Jeremy. <laughs>